Well, we are in week four of our series called Hall of Giants. And in this, we've been looking at the lessons of legendary lives the heroes of faith given to us in Hebrews 11. I call that the by faith chapter, right? As we hear everybody, by faith. And they are spiritual mentors from whom we can learn. And I, I've been so grateful to, for these spiritual mentors in my life that I can sit with God's word and I can see people who've gone before me and how they lived out our faith. These people lived lives of great faith, trusting God in difficult times. How many of you would like to trust God in difficult times? Everybody, yes, yes. Their faith resulted in an unusual blessing. How many of you would like to have unusual blessing in their lives, right? So learning from them builds our faith. It blesses us. We've been using this definition of faith. Faith is belief, the firm persuasion that is held on the inside but lived on the outside. So this series, really, we've been discovering how is it, like, what we believe, what does that look like on the outside? What does it mean to have faith? How do we live that out? And so far in this series, we've said, by faith, able, and we said that faith adds value through alignment. When we align with what God says is right, not the other way around. And so that's what we learned from Abel. And then we said, by faith, Noah, and we said that faith chooses to go all in. Noah went all in on building the ark, and same for us. We need to go all in on our faith. And finally, by faith, Abraham, and we said, faith is consistent and unchanging over time. Though the world changes, styles change, things change, our faith is to be unchanging over time. And so that brings us to Hebrews 11.11. 11. It's our verse for today that we're going to take a look at it. And it says that it was by faith that even Sarah, and we're going to talk about that phrase, even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. See, Sarah believed God's promise, but what was the promise? Well, first of all, to Abraham, he said that you will be the father of many nations. Your descendants will be like the stars in the sky. God was helping him to see beyond himself. But to Sarah, the promise was that she would be the one through whom that promise was kept. But see, the promise is hard to believe because Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. Now, I don't know at what age you become old, but the Bible says in Genesis 18, 11, Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and they were 190. So um, my mom, when she was 89, I was taking her to our county fair. She was 89th time, and I told her, um, hey, I think I'll drop you off at the gate so you don't have to walk so far. And then I told her, but you know, hey, I think they have those golf carts that they can drive you around. And my mom said, those are for older people. I said, oh, like 90-year-olds, you know? <laughs> and, um, and she laughed. She knew that I was joking. But let's just say this, that we can all agree that Sarah was beyond a human ability to have a baby. There's a limit to when women can have a baby, and Sarah was definitely far beyond that. But Sarah believed that God would keep his promise. And that brings us to our big idea, faith believes a promise. So why did Sarah believe the promise? Well, that's thought number one. Faith in a promise comes from a relationship. 
It is through the relationship that Sarah and Abraham with God that they believed him. See, Abraham walked with the Lord, and it, it says that the Lord took him outside. And, and I picture it that, like, he took him outside, and I, I think he actually put his arm on his back, and he just said, look up at those stars. And as many as the stars are, that's how your descendants will be. This picture of walking with the Lord in relationship. When I see that um, God with Sarah, I think that he encourages her. See, what happens is Abraham received this promise that he would have this many descendants, but Sarah hasn't heard that at this point. She knows that Abraham said it, but she doesn't know the part about her. So the Lord comes and he stands outside Sarah's tent, and, and Sarah doesn't see him, but she hears him. He speaks within earshot, and he tells Abraham that it will be through Sarah that Sarah will be the one to have the baby. It's not for Abraham's benefit. It's not for God's benefit, but for Sarah's. See, up to this point, the promise had only been given to Abraham. I think when we walk with God, he encourages us. Now, the, Sarah's response to that thought that she would have a baby was she laughed. <laughs> and it doesn't tell in Scripture like, what kind of laugh it was or why she laughed, I kind of think it was like a nervous laugh. Like, you're 90, and like, do you want a baby? Like, I mean, like, like there's kind of a reason you have your kids when you're young, right? And so I, I think it was kind of a, a nervous laugh, but she laughed, and God heard her laugh, and he asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Well, she like, boop, peeps out of the tent, and she says, um, she lies. It's, it says in scripture that she lies, and she said, I, I, did, I didn't laugh. And God's like, yeah, yeah, I did. You did. So why does God say this? this okay, I'm just going to say that I didn't read this in any commentary. I'm going to tell you that this is Betty Bassett interacting with scripture and how I see it because it's what I love about the Lord. See, Isaac, their child that Sarah and Abraham has, his name means he laughs or God laughs. And both Sarah and Abraham laughed at the notion that, God, that Sarah would have a baby, but God got the last laugh, and Sarah got the joke, right? <laughs> See, I think walking with the Lord can be fun, and I want to tell my students that right now, the student section over here. Walking with the Lord can be fun. He's not a fun sponge, right? Okay? Walking with the Lord in relationship is fun. I have a couple of stories where... I, one of the things I think about when I think about being in heaven with all of you and being with the Lord, I cannot wait to hear what it sounds like to hear the Lord laugh. Like, is it a belly laugh? Is it a throaty laugh? What does his laugh sound like? And I can't wait to be in his presence. But I think God is fun, and walking in relationship with is fun, and he encourages us. Couple of stories where I, I think that God has been funny with me. So, um, okay, this first story I'm going to tell, I, I need to caveat it a little bit and say, you know how like the thing that makes you upset is not really the thing? There's like the iceberg part of it. Okay, so just yes, you say yes, you understand that it's not the thing. So keep that in mind when I tell you what I got upset about. So we were having an outreach event here at the church, and I that morning I had a lot of things to carry in. It was early in the morning, and I was going to need some carts. And I let the office know, like, hey, I'm going to need carts. But I got in the building in the morning, and I can't find carts anywhere in this building. Like, I walk all over. It's a big building. I cannot find a cart. And so it's the first thing in the morning, and it kind of sets me off, right? Like, mm, I, really? And so I have a rule 
that I'm not allowed to get mad at people before I go and like get mad with God, right? Because he can take it. This is just how I talk to the Lord, you know, like this is what I'm upset about. So I, I came into the sanctuary in here. I enjoy praying in here. Um, it was early in the morning, so it was dark. The lights are off. I didn't turn the lights on because I know how our sanctuary is laid out. And so I just start walking down this aisle right here. I'm walking and I'm telling the Lord, you know, Lord, I'm really trying here. And I just, I really, I just need a cart. And I just don't understand. And boom, I run into something, right? <laughs> it was a cart. <laughs> I went like this. Thanks, God. <laughs> God is funny, right? There was another time, um, okay, it might surprise you to know this, but sometimes I feel like giving up. I just don't think I can keep going. And so I was having one of those days where like, I'm done. And um, again, I came into the sanctuary in here. You don't have to go into a sanctuary to pray to God. It can be anywhere. It's just that sometimes this room is available. And so I came in here, I laid right down in this front row. I laid down. <laughs> I'm tired, right? And, um, and I just, this is how, I'm sorry, this is the way I talked to the Lord, and this is just what I said. And I said, God, I feel like I'm on a merry-go-round, and if I jump off, it's going to hurt, but if I stay on, I'm going to throw up, okay? So I felt like the Lord answered me in that moment, but here's what he said. He said, even if you throw up, I want you to stay on. God tells you to throw up? Like, what? <laughs> okay. So I, I, from God, I got, like, keep going. Keep going, sister. You got this. So, you know, I stood up. And if I know that I am walking in the Lord's will, like, I will take a lot. Like, I can take a lot if I know that I'm walking in the Lord's will. So I just, okay. And, but the funny part came a week later, I was running a 5K. And this is a weird thing about runners. And it's a weird thing that happens to me. But when I run my best race, I do not have to look at a watch because I will know because the minute I cross the finish line, I will throw up. So a week later, I'm running a 5K, I cross the finish line, I throw up. And I realized in that moment that what the Lord really was saying to me was not just keep going. He was saying, give it your best. Like, like, when I give my best, I throw up. That's what I want from you. I, I don't want you to hold on. I don't want you to just keep holding on. I want you to be thriving, giving it your best, the best you've ever done. And not only do I want you to give your best, I want you to finish the race. Praise God. He is funny. He has a funny way of saying it. But... <laughs> Thankful. I'll share one more story of where I think God is funny. Um, my husband and I were walking in a park, and we came across a, a guy who was, he was, looked a little disheveled. He had some scraped on his arms, and he had his um, skateboard with him. And we, he looked like he was looking for something, so we said, um, did you, are, you, are you okay? Are you looking for something? And he said, when I fell off the skateboard, my ring fell off, my wedding ring, and I can't find it. And we said, well, we, we'll help you look if you want. And he said, there were already four people here looking. We're not going to find it. And so I just said, like the quickest prayer in history, I just said, Lord, you know where it is, and just show us where it is. That's all I said. And then I bent over, and I started looking. But the minute I bent over, I started, I started thinking to myself, like, why did you say that out loud? Because if you don't find it, you're going to make God look bad. Like, it would be awful that I make God look bad. But in that moment, I also remembered something a spiritual mentor had said to me, which is, God is big enough to handle his own reputation. Don't you back down from praying, because God will handle his reputation. 
And you know I had enough time to think those two thoughts, and I was like, oh, here it is. <laughs> I know, God is funny. Walking with the Lord is fun. Don't let society tell you that he is trying to kill your fun because walking with him is the best thing that you will do in your life. See, God's promises are available to those who have a relationship with him. God's promises are for God's people. So my encouragement to you today is to take time to get to know him and his promises. You can't believe a promise that you don't even know. The Bible is full of them. I'm going to give you three here today to start you off, but I want you to find your own promises. The first one, you know, I know that anxiety is prevalent in today's society. I, I really, I rarely meet a person who doesn't have some low-key level of anxiety going on in their life, some high-key, right? But the, the Bible says this in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious in anything. So what are we supposed to be anxious about? Something, right. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, pre present your request to God. So in what things are we supposed to pray to God about? Everything. everything. So don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. What that verse is saying is that the promise is this, is that if you will come to me in everything, that you will trust me with the carts of your life or the defeated moments of your life, if you will trust me, then I will give you an unreasonable peace. It would not be reasonable to have peace in this situation, but I will give you peace. Now listen, I am not saying that people never need therapy. I am never saying that people don't ever need medication. I am not saying that, but I am saying that this is a promise for God, that he is able and he will deliver peace that is unreasonable. It's a promise from God. I want to also share with you 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. God will provide a way out. Here's the thing. You have to take it, right? He's going to open a door, but you have to take it. You're going to have to go out the door. You're going to have to say no. You're going to have to delete that message. You're going to have to get help, maybe more help. You're going to have to bounce your thoughts. You're going to have to bounce your eyes. You're going to have to turn around and get out of that situation. But he will provide a way out. That is a promise. And when you are tempted, you look for the door. You go out the door. That's a promise. It also says in Psalm 23, 5, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When you are staring down the face of the enemy, when you're looking right in the storm, when the enemy is so close you can feel his breath, it says, look for the table. What has God provided you to stand in front of the enemy and to say, I will not back down? What has God provided you to say, I will not be destroyed by the enemy? I will not let the enemy destroy me. I will not let the enemy destroy my family. He has prepared a table. He has given me everything I need. And that's a promise that you can take it to the bank. Amen. These are the promises that belong to the children of God. Yes. People make promises. Companies make promises. But... You can't believe a promise unless you engage in relationship. If I'm going to buy a product, I engage in the relationship when I buy it. We just bought a refrigerator, and they gave us a, a four-year promise. Like, this refrigerator should last for four years. I hope so much longer. But, <laughs> but I don't get that promise of four years until I buy the refrigerator. 
That's when I've entered into the relationship. In marriage, we establish a promise because we are in relationship. Hopefully you're not marrying anyone you're not in relationship with. There, that's, that's good preaching, right? Is that what we say? That's good preaching. That's good preaching, right? Don't marry someone you're not in a relationship with. But in the relationship, though, when both parties, they make the promise, here's the thing. I cannot keep my husband's wedding vows. I can keep my promise, but he has to keep his. And that's what brings me to thought number two. The one who makes the promise is the one responsible to keep it. See, a promise is not a contract. A contract is where two parties agree to the terms. In a contract, both parties have something to gain, but in God's promise, he's freely given. It's not based on anything that Sarah or Abraham can give God. Now, there are conditional promises in the Bible, but this one to Sarah was not one of them. God will deliver on every promise. His ability is not limited by us, but our part is to believe the promise. And here's the thing you need to know. We don't have to come up with a plan B for God to keep his promise. See, Sarah knew the promise that God gave Abraham, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. And to explain this point, I feel like right here I need to give you a quick timeline of what has happened so far. So God tells Abraham that he will be the father of many nations. And Abraham later tells God, it's too bad that I don't have my own son and that it will be my servant Eleazar of Damascus that will be my heir. But God tells him, no, it will be a son coming from your own body. That will be your heir. And so what happens, I'm going to talk about next, is before God clarifies the promise that it will be fulfilled through Sarah. So what you have to understand is there's a 10-year gap here. There's a 10 years from when God says, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars and it will be your own body till Sarah has a baby. Well, that's kind of a long time when you're already 90 years old or Sarah's 80 at that point. That's, that's a long time to wait for a baby, right? That's a long time. So Sarah figures out a way to help God, yeah. right? Enter Hagar. She's Sarah's servant, and since Sarah hasn't been able to give Abraham children, she suggests that Abraham sleep with her servant, and Abraham agrees. And that's all I got to say about that. So, <laughs> the Bible is scandalous. I don't, I don't know why people think it's boring. I, um, <laughs> so, Hagar gives birth to a son, but God makes it clear to Abraham, no, it's going to be through Sarah. I'm amazed at this point that God doesn't curse them or kill them, but instead, he just says, would you patiently trust me? Abraham's 90 years old. He's 100 when it's fulfilled. The clock was ticking in an earthly sense. But God is not slow in delivering on his promise at just the right time. Amen. And we do it too, right? We, we try to come up with ways of helping God. I'm uh, thinking about a parent who called me one time. It was a, a dad. His daughter was in my small group. And she was having some issues at school. So he, he called me to explain what was going on. And he and I agreed that we thought some changes needed to happen at school for her, and so, but we were talking about, we're, we're not sure because of school rules how this is gonna work, and he says in the middle of the conversation, he just says, I, I'm just gonna, when I go in there and talk to the principal, I'm just gonna lie to him, I'm just gonna lie. 
so I felt like I couldn't let that go, right? Like I needed to say something. And so at the end of the conversation, I said, if it is God's will, you won't have to lie to get it. So he calls me back about an hour later, and he says, well, you were right. When I got in there, I just didn't feel like I could lie then, you know. And so he said, so I told him the truth. I was going to lie to you, and here's the situation. And do you know that it did work out? It did work out. I have to say, when I got off the phone with him, I was kind of like, this is not going to work out. But it, God, God worked it out. We don't have to arm wrestle God if it is his will for us. God's way of solving the problem and keeping his promise is far better than our plan B. See, God didn't give Sarah a child through Hagar. He gave Sarah her own child. God's way is so much better. So while the responsibility for keeping the promise is on God, we do have a choice in the matter. Will we trust God and take him at his word? One last thing I want to note in Hebrews 11. See, up until this point, everyone has been, by faith, Noah. By faith, Abel. By faith, Abraham. By faith, even Sarah. Right? Feels a little bit like a disqualifier, right? Like, in some translations, they actually say, Baron Sarah. How would you like that? There goes Baron Sarah. Look at, there goes Baron Sarah. Have you ever had an even, insert your own name moment, you know? Even Betty, they, they even let Betty get up there and teach, you know, like, it feels like a disqualifier. But see, even in our lack, what we lack, if we're not the right age, we're not the right gender, we're not the right whatever, God is able to keep his promise. Sarah was 90 years old, and humanly speaking, it is possible, but with God, anything is possible. See, you may feel undervalued by the world. You may lack physical appearance, athletic ability, sharpness of mind, quickness of mind. Maybe you, you're lacking wages. You think you need the money to get the girl, right? Maybe you were undervalued by your parents. Or maybe there was sibling rivalry where you came out on the short end. You know, I can't tell you how many 40 and 50-year-olds I know who are still affected in ways that are so limiting to them because they feel like their parents loved one child more than the other. I want to tell you something, that our inheritance as children of the promise has nothing to do with us. When my parents died, my mom died back at Christmas time, our inheritance was not divided by our position in the family. I'm one of 12 children, and it, and it wasn't like, well, the most went to my oldest sister, and then I got the least, right? Or maybe it's like the first will be last, and the last will be first, and then I get the most, and then, no. <laughs> and you know what else? It wasn't divided by our position in the family. It didn't matter whether you're the person that empties the garbage at the fall festival, or if you were the person serving a vendor. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It wasn't based on, our inheritance wasn't based on the amount of work. It didn't go most to the sister who was the executor of the will. It didn't go most to the sister who spent the most time with mom. It didn't go most to the sister who mowed the grass. It went evenly to each of us because we were their children. 
Inheritance is not merit pay. It's not because you are good. It's not because you are worthy. It is not because you are especially deserving. 1 John 12 through 13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of will, nor of flesh of man, but of God. And that leads me to thought number three. A promise is valid when we receive it. Just as when we buy a product, we're now covered under the promise. Just as we say yes in marriage, we say yes to another person's promise. God's promises are available to us when we say yes by faith to him. See, this story of Sarah is really the story of God's salvation. It's a story of God's goodness when he becomes an active character in our lives and he puts his hand on our back and he points us heavenward and he stands with earshot, within earshot and he encourages us. And even when we try to do it our own way, he keeps his promise. When we put our faith in the one who is able, we receive the promise. Jesus, the descendant of Abraham, is the culmination of that promise. So if you've already said yes to Jesus, then will you take him at his word? Will you know and believe that the promises he made are available to you for receiving them? Will you trust him despite impossible circumstances that he is able to deliver on his promise at just the right time? If you haven't already said yes to Jesus, and I pray that today is your day. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you were saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift. It's not by works or because we're good. It's not so that we can boast. It's a gift. See, God created you to be in a relationship with him. And in a relationship with the Lord is fun. And while our sins separate us from a holy and loving God. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin and he restores us to a right relationship with God. While humanly impossible, it is possible through God. So I want to end today with an invitation that if you want to make that the prayer of your life, that Jesus, you say yes to Jesus and the promises of God. We're gonna, I'm going to do a prayer. We're going to pray it together. I'll say a line. At Five Lakes Church, we said no one walks alone. So in this moment, I'll read a line. You're going to repeat it. And let's give our lives to Christ. If you make this decision, then we'd love to hear about it. So let's pray. Jesus, I believe that you lived, that you died and rose again. Thank you for your sacrifice you made for me. Today, I turn away from anything that displeases you. I give myself completely to you and I accept all that you have for me. And from this day forward, you are my God and I am your child. Amen, amen. Can we thank God for what he is doing today?